Hello, everybody. Welcome to a super special spoopy edition of Retronauts Micro. I say spoopy because it's not actually scary. It's silly and spooky at the same time. Uh, I'm in the Laser Time uh, bedroom studio. Who's here with hey. me? Henry Gilbert. Howdy do. And who else? Do we oh, have? Uh, Gomez Antista. Gomez Antista. That's mm-hmm. a fine oh, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. Spanish style mustache you're growing there, Chris. <laughs> it's Henry. <laughs> yes. Henry. Uh, yeah. So I am yes, bad uh, at clicking my finger. By the snapping and you know the cover art and the title of this podcast, you probably realize we're talking about the Adams family. But more importantly, we're talking about uh, Fester's Quest, which is the first, I believe, the first Adams family game pre movie. Uh, 2013, Chris and Brett and I, maybe Ray was there too. We did a podcast about um, two LGN games, Friday yeah. the 13th and mm-hmm. Jaws. This is kind of a sequel. This is our, our Halloweenish episode. Uh, Fester's Quest isn't scary, but it's kind of bad scary. Yeah. So I wanted to do an episode about this game it's, because um, I've just, got problems with it. It's just astonishing, though. It is. It's really. It's a really interesting. I mean, for as much as um, I don't enjoy playing it, I find it a very interesting game to talk about and read yeah. about. Yeah, I, I'm try, trying to find an analog for uh, someone younger than me. Uh-huh. Uh, kids. That's like if somebody made a game, a PlayStation Four game, out of Family Matters, and it oh. starred Carl Winslow. That's funny. I was going to say <laughs> like, Family Ties. Like that's family this is, is this is what nobody's favorite character is Uncle Fester. Yeah, well, I you mean, know what? It, it's weird. He would be. He would go on in two years after this game to be the center of the movie. The so, center of the fir- finding him in the first movie. Yeah, but, but he was like the central character. I think. I, I guess yeah. so. Consider the play was plot based. It, it was, but the timing of it too is all off because like it there wasn't a movie. Yeah, there wasn't. Yes. A movie so it was then. just reruns of a thirty at that time twenty five year old TV show. Yeah, crazy. So, and and I, I'm on here primarily because I don't. Love, I don't love. I was asking you what this game's legacy is. I played a little, I played it, I got frustrated, I put it down, and I never walked. That was weird. I don't need that in my life. Uh, but it's, you were talking about how notorious it was. I am here to make yeah. up for Henry. You did a, a laser time with us recently about horror comedies. Not one fucking person mentioned Adam's family, and I'm holding everybody responsible for that because that is one of the greatest horror comedies I, of all time. Yeah, I guess I just thought of it as a comedy. I, it's, think, I, uh, I do think the movie amped up the horror a lot more than the TV it show. Did, well, where it's like the threat of death was in the movie by people visiting their house. In, in the TV show, it was just like silly, like there's a thing under the stairs. We, that could be the monster. We talked actually. about it off, off mic, but the, the movies were just sort of like, I hate saying, excellent world building. Oh, yeah. It's like yeah. if you could see somehow what... You know how Oscar the Grouch just likes gross things and like I love to hate and like none of this makes sense and we can't see inside your trash can and what your world looks like. But the Adams family lets you in of yes. a, not just a family, but they they have a party with grotesque monsters and people and like so, what a cool thing and great production design. Yeah, well yeah, let's talk about the Adams family, like how it began. Yeah, first. Talk, I mean, it began when Uncle Fester farted. Right? In case like, you don't know, I mean, jeez, So like, if you, if, I guess if you're young, you could think this was like. Like a movie first mm-hmm. in the early 90s way way long ago but it actually started as a new yorker cartoon back when new york oh, cartoons were funny you know back then uh, started in 1938 ran until 1988 this is a one panel cartoon mm-hmm. and there were 150 of these created by charles adams before he wow. died so over the course of 50 years 150 ran what is that like three per year so they yeah. weren't that prolific i think yeah but when you see them all in a book they mm-hmm. are it's really like impressive all, yeah. all bound together and, and, and they with, had no names though they were just Adam's family, like he made them. Yeah, named them after himself. And I think the most famous one you'll probably see uh, reprinted is uh, a movie theater full of crying people, and Uncle Fester is in the audience laughing. Like yeah. it's like that's the that's the joke. It's so funny. And speaking of New Yorker cartoons and video games, you guys see the recent one with well, 
Did you guys see the one with uh, Scorpion. Scorpion telling Hillary Clinton, finish, finish you? Yes, I was like, you're really reaching out to the kids uh, 25 years ago, guys. They uh, had a game last year. It's all good. Yes. Uh, the Addis family is actually just I, the family of weird sadists. We don't need to take it there. I was always a Monsters guy. Oh, okay. I thought hey, I, Adam's all the way, baby. In hindsight, yes, but like... Dude, they were all different monsters for real. So to a child, the monsters, this is the great monsters they have a cool Adam's car. family debate. <laughs> so as a child, monsters was more for kids too. Like yeah. the, the, the dad in it is a kid. He's basically like a big kid. Uh, and, and you do get to see all these different famous monsters in one show. Mm-hmm. And also Grandpa's a fun guy. Like yeah. Grandpa monster. But... Mm-hmm. As I grow older, I like the Adams family more oh, because they're yeah. not—they're not a collection of monsters. They're just weirdos. Yes. It's more sophisticated in that. I think, like obviously, the monsters was drawing from Universal monsters. Yeah. The Adams family was created in the '30s while they were happening, but yeah. maybe not directly wow. inspired. Just like a no, bunch we, of creepy weirdos are going to live together. One is vaguely like vamp- vampire-ish, like we Morticia. Keep ta- we keep talking about that on Laser Times, and I love bringing up the Universal monsters because I love them dearly. Mm. Check out my new Wolfman set. Um, but that. When they were being made at Universal, they were still they still needed to be licensed mm. because their their books had not oh, come into the public right. domain. Yeah. Yes. So that's so like Charles Adams, if he wanted to, could not have used the likeness of Frankenstein or yeah, Bella Lugosi. True. Yes, yeah, but so I, I especially love like uh, Sean Astin's father, John Astin. Oh, yeah. he's great, he's, and he um, is he's, Gomez. He's still alive, he's right? He is still. Alive. Wow. I should saw him in something. Let's not curse him uh, by mentioning huh. yeah. being alive on this podcast, but. Uh, I actually had another reason I I really liked it because it was brought up recently by this um, person I follow on Twitter who writes a ton and she has a podcast too. Merit K is is oh, uh, yeah, yeah. and she she did a whole thing looking at like dad. She did a series of podcasts about like pop culture dads mm-hmm. and she did Gomez on one of them and and part of it was rewatching a lot of old episodes of Adam Family and she was. She was pleasantly surprised by like how much stuff they got on TV then, and yeah. like they are in a him and Morticia are in a kind of kinky but monogamous oh, yeah. married relationship. Yeah, like kissing up her arm and everything. Yeah. And, well, and yeah. there was there was one line she pulled out from the '64 show, which was uh, her saying, "Oh, don't worry, Gomez, he couldn't hold a candle to you." Eh, it'd be interesting for him to try though. <laughs> like, that's, that's, he that's, was getting off on that. Yes, so, that's yeah. a kinky joke. That is pretty that kinky on the sixties. Kids show on the sixties, like yeah. so. Yeah, the sixties TV show, which this game is based on, mm-hmm. uh, ran from sixty four to sixty six. Only sixty four episodes. Do you think there'd be a lot more? Monsters ran for seventy. So I guess these things had a very short shelf life. Like. Unlike the hillbilly explosion of Green Acres, Beverly Hillbillies, <laughs> Petticoat Junction, people could only handle so many monsters in the 60s. Well, I, I think those things aren't initially, but a lot of the Universal movies weren't initially popular either, but it's just the nature the nature of television and needing to fill air is what brought the Universal monsters back into the zeitgeist. Yeah. Needing time to fill air on cable is what brought these old sitcoms that ran two seasons that the networks didn't even like. Exactly. Gave them another life. I am a Nick at Night kid. Oh, yeah. uh, every summer yep. I would watch the full run of Andy Griffith's show, Homer <laughs> Pyle, Beverly Hillbillies, anything TV would show, when I would they watch. Would, when I they became de- a man, Adobe Gillis. <laughs> when they debuted Mary Tyler Moore, I watched every episode yeah. in a row. Like, well, I have to see every Mary Tyler it's Moore like, What episode. else could it's you important. do with your time? Exactly. Well, am I going to hang out with friends or like have crushes on people in summer? No, I'm going to TV. watch <laughs> Mary Tyler Moore. TV is the answer. So yes, that was enough of a preamble. Just to introduce you uh, what the Adams Family is. We're talking about the game, though, which was released in the USA in September of 1989. So before the movie. 
movie. Before the movie, two years before the movie. So although they, didn't even, they didn't, they weren't even capitalizing on like getting the TV show rights, being aware of the movie rights. No, but the the movie was in uh, talks. I think okay. at this time because uh, we'll get into that later. But um, uh, obviously, this game uh, feel. I mean, if you play it, it feels a little bit older than an '89 game. But I think it's mostly known by the great spooky box art, which uh, mm-hmm. the comic artist uh, Casey Green parodied with his great book Graveyard Quest. It's this picture of a uh, fester with a spider crawling down his face. He's like yeah. cackling and there's like lightning striking the uh, Adams Family Mansion behind him. It's really iconic, really great. A stark use of the color orangey-yellow. Um... It's just like a really ghoulish, like really ghoulish colors. It's mm-hmm. very it's very like eye-catching. And, and, and um... From Sunsoft, the unsung maker of the license game have yes. made not just passable license games, the Maybe the greatest for the NES. This is definitely one of their lesser games. I mean, it feels like it's definitely based on uh, Blaster Master, the yeah. um, the overhead shooting segment. Which, and, again, like, I love Blaster Master. Yeah. Would I have known how to play Blaster Master if everybody in the recess yard wasn't reading Nintendo Powers voraciously and telling... Because it's, it's convoluted true, and yeah. impossible it's uh, not, to figure I mean, out. It's a hard game. I think Blaster Master is a hard game, but mm-hmm. not nearly as hard as this. I mean, uh, Sunsoft made hard games. I feel like Gremlins 2 is a very hard game, but they're both way better games. And we'll get into Gremlins why... Two? Gremlins 2 is a great game. It's Sunsoft. a beautiful game. It's just easy. Uh, you think it's easy? I just played it. Wow, okay. Well, you can I, see it in my LEGO Dimensions video. I disagree, sir. Quit cross-promoting <laughs> during my podcast. Wait till the end. Uh, so, <laughs> the one redeeming feature of uh, Fester's Quest is the music, mm-hmm. composed by Naoki Kodaka, who did every great Sunsoft soundtrack. Batman, yeah. Journey to Silius, Gremlins 2, Blaster Master. There's mm-hmm. like four songs in this game, but they're all really, really good, including an amazing like salsa version of the Addams Family song on the title ah. screen. Um, yeah, it is and great. And the ending too, because they had to reuse it, I guess. There was no and there was no ending song. They couldn't afford it. Look, it can only commission so many songs. <laughs> and uh, I recently dug up a ton of info on the production of this game. I got it from the uh, Kid Fenris website. I believe his name is Todd Siolik. Uh, he was one of my freelancers at 1UP for a while, but wow. he interviewed the two American producers who worked at Sunsoft and got this game made and it is a very strange American-Japanese cross-production which could explain wow. some of its problems actually it really does explain some of its problems I mean I guess uh, you know they would need an American to tell them to make it exactly like I would think there is no affection for Adam's family in Japan right there like, really isn't the Japanese developers were confused like what is this you want us to make but mm-hmm. to get into the the information about this game mm-hmm. I'm not sure who directed it but it is the brainchild of two American producers who still work in the gaming industry one's name is is Richard Robbins. Mm-hmm. The other's name is Michael Mand- Mendheim. Mm-hmm. And they would later go on to create Mutant League Football. So woo the creators woo. of Fester's Quest made Mutant League Football a much better game, the only football game I will probably play. <laughs> and Mendheim did the cover for a lot of other NES games. I, I just searched, I couldn't find it, but I searched Mendheim NES cover and I found like Castlevania and Ninja Gaiden. So he, he wow. could have created those. I'm not sure if he did, wow. but I couldn't find anything. Um, Robbins worked on Desert Strike and Crew Ball, you know, the Motley Crew pinball game. I do know we it. all enjoy that. Oh my God. Uh, Mendheim worked on Battle Tanks and Army Men. So they, they continued working in the industry. Mm-hmm. So the idea for Fester's Quest came from a dream Robbins had about an idea called Uncle Fester's Playhouse. So this 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 came to him in a dream. It was like the Adams family was his muse, I guess. Yeah. And uh, he created the idea of like the aliens abducting people to make it like uh, have an objective in the game. So it's like, well, we need something for Fester to do. Let's have him rescue people from aliens. Um, so Robbins had to basically court Charles Adams' widow, like play phone tag with her, meet up with her in order to get approval of this idea. And at the same time, she was talking with whoever made the movie about making the movie. So there's a lot of wow. renewed renewed interest in the Adams family because so, of baby boomers growing up. I think that's imp- Impressive too, of just like going to the Adams estate. Like I mm-hmm. would just imagine, 
some some corporation owns it. You have to license it, but that's not how it was for everything. It's it's sort of like how Dr. Seuss's widow finally broke when they wanted to make the Cat in the Hat movie, and it's like, we're putting him on everything. Swiffers, bags of chips, like, Mm. lubricants, everything. It's one thing to do that, but then, like, yep, I said no to everything. I had to wait until the right thing came along. (laughs) Mike Myers' Cat in the Hat was the the thing that swayed you? I I, I prefer to think of that as the Linda Richmond coffee talk movie. She just just turned to a furry at some point in her life because he's doing the same voice. That's right, yeah, and doing jokes about hobos attacking. Don't listen to the fish he drinks where he pees. (laughs) Perfect Seuss. Perfect Seuss. So uh, we went over the idea of where this game came from. Uh, So, you know, Charles Adams' widow was skeptical of the game. Uh, Sunsoft of Japan was skeptical as well. And this game had a very strange production process where it was designed in part in America. So Mm -hmm. Robbins and Mannheim would create characters and maps, and then they would fly over to Japan to communicate through a translator what they wanted to have done. So they were literally like drawing the maps for the game and giving them to the Blaster Master team and telling them like this is how we want our game to be made. Do you think the Blaster Master team knew is this beneath us? This is beneath <laughs> us, right? I think um the quality of this game shows that there was some friction or that was they were like kind of over this idea or mm-hmm. they were just kind of mm-hmm. forced into it and didn't want to do it because the design decisions they made in this game are things that they normally wouldn't do. Like mm. they're mistakes that shouldn't have been made by a team who has made much better things, I think. I mean it feels to like a team that maybe half assed it a little or just what, like what, we gotta yeah. we gotta get this out. What are what are the negatives of Fester's quest if we can get this uh, out? Of we the will way. get into that when we talk about the game. Got I, wanna, it. I wanna explain why this game is so bad or hard to play at least. Uh so Mannheim, one of the co-designers, said, I was an avid game player back then, but as far as game design, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I had never designed a game, and this baby was my first. So you can blame your childhood trauma on him. Uh, he goes on to say, not having a password system was all my fault. A complete and idiotic oversight. The save system was overlooked by me because we had a debug code in our test builds, which allowed us to jump from level to level and save our progress whenever we wanted. Doesn't seem unbelievable now. Yes, and it's like we never thought to put that into the the design doc because the version we were playing had saves in it. So, like, why would we think of that to write it down on paper to give to Japan? I'm I'm giving them the better. Just, it's, games are new. Games are new-ish, but that... Jesus Christ, it's not even one of those things that like, ah, I can't believe you forgot that. We'll patch it in. We'll put it in the next pressing. Actually, no. they made it easier for Europe. Oh, did but they? But they could not back out of this this difficulty problem. They uh, like they had testers play it. The testers said it was too hard. Mm-hmm. So instead of delaying it, which Sunsoft did not want to do, mm-hmm. their advertising campaign is like, this game is going to kill you. This game wow. is really hard. In fact, I'll play the commercial for it now. This is... One tough video game. Fester's Quest is one tough video game with sinister mazes, deadly traps, hideous monsters, and spooky graphics. But if you make just one mistake, you start all over again. Fester's Quest, the video game from Sunsoft for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Are you good enough? <laughs> And the tagline is, this is one tough video game. And you aren't kidding because this game is really, really hard. One of the hardest games on the NES that is not fundamentally broken. It's just extremely cruel. Mm. I wonder, too, if that was Japan saying, like, hey, we, we put in what the Americans told us to. They didn't want a safe system, then we won't do it. Mm. Yeah, like, not even like the formality of like a checkpoint is in this game. Or horrible passwords. Exactly. Like, just, like, do that. Give me an 80 character password instead of starting over from the beginning every time. But one last thing. This game sold over 1 million 
copies in the how United that, States. How is that possible? I, I, like, it was just this enigmatic thing, and it was had this, like, reputation of being a hard game. The cover was very iconic. It, well, it was, like, a cool idea with lots of items. I can't prove this, but one of the reasons I think this made it into a lot of libraries is that the NES was very hot at this time in this game, I think either launched or immediately became a little cheaper hmm. than most games. Maybe at like a yeah. $29.99 standpoint. I, see, I never bought it, but I definitely rented it at least once. Yeah. Did you see it on the shelf? You're like, I think these Adams Family characters are cool on those <laughs> old black and white things I saw. This guy seems neat. I'll do it. And yeah. And like, there are there are a lot of cool things in the game, but um, before we go on, I want to ask you guys, what is your experience with the game? As for, as for me, like, it was one of those things where I was like, this game looks neat, I'll rent it. Mm. And I would try playing it over and over, and I would mm. never make it more than 15 minutes in for the problems we're going to talk about coming up here. So mm. I just kind of bounced off this game over and over, and it was only for this episode that I actually decided to go into it with save states, with a turbo controller, and try to fight my way through it, and that was still a failure. But uh, Chris, oh, wow. uh, like, what was your experience with this game, just real um, quick? I just I, I just remember playing it at other people's houses, and by the time I actually got myself a copy, no articulate epiphany, just sort of like, huh, I don't need to do this. <laughs> um, and I wish I spent more time with it. I really did, because it was one of those games I just assumed, even at the time, everybody would forget about until, like, it's utter ubiquity. Selling a million copies seems, That's crazy. like, insane. I, I take it that was probably par for the course for your mo your more popular NES games, though, because it, it had an install base that was huge. And yeah, just, like, um, well, just as someone who, like, 20 years ago was way into buying retro games this was everywhere it's mm. like if you had a, a fledgling collection you could make this a part of it very easily because yeah. people were returning it in droves God. well the Henry, NES yeah. yeah the NES had 90% of the market mm -hmm. so a million for even a, like an, a well marketed game can I do it I love but, looking at it uh, like a version of the app store where I just <laughs> on a lark downloaded two biker mice from Mars games because you can put anything on the App Store. You know what, Chris? You have a point. I think this was designed in part, and maybe not intentionally, mm -hmm. but a parent could see this in the store and be like, oh, Adam's family, this would be fun. Like, my mom recommended me the Spy vs. Spy game, which yeah. sucked because yeah. she liked Mad Magazine. I mean, in both of those cases, I, I yeah. rented them based on the cover art and yeah. from the pick and save. And they both were, yeah. What I just, does Bobby like better, Adam's Family or Gilligan's Island? They both have NES games. <laughs> Gilligan's Island is <laughs> slightly more manageable. So, yeah. <laughs> but I was also kind of a spoiled kid. That so, if I my mom rented a game and we didn't like it, we were just like. Uh, two days later, we'd return it. it we, we weren't forced to be like, this is what you're playing for a week. We I rented was, it. I like, was screwed. I got purchased two games a year, and I was pretty stuck with them. Did you get to choose them? Yes, usually. Okay. Usually I did, unless so you're my dad. And like, I got you Jeopardy NPR edition. It's <laughs> almost like reading. You suck, dad. That's how you learn about Garrison Keillor, all the, all the, all the hard facts about him. <laughs> so uh, you said you did play this, Henry? Yeah, but not very much. Like yeah. I knew it was way too hard, and I didn't want to play hard games, and I didn't love Adam's Family enough. Like, Yeah. I think the, that's where I was. The ones I would, the ones that were too hard for me, I'd still never beat, but keep going back to, is if I loved the character enough. Like uh, the Game Boy Spider-Man games, uh, they're horrendous. They're yeah. so bad. I would like to nominate the Super Nintendo's Rocky and Bullwinkle. Yeah, it's really? one of the biggest pieces of shit in the goddamn oh, universe. It's awful. I played the yeah. hell out of it because I love those characters. <laughs> and most Simpsons games, every like, Simpsons, every game. Simpsons game yeah. except yeah. for like two yeah. at this Arcade point. And uh, Virtual Springfield. So I did like academic level research on Fester's Quest. I, you, I, have, I have a PhD in Fester's Quest after this. I spent so much time on this just for you guys and the listeners out there. 
let's talk about the game itself. It's been 20 minutes. Why not talk about the game itself? Uh, so this game opens with a just a, a great-looking cutscene where Fester is moonbathing, and um, a UFO comes and beams up all the people, and he looks at the screen, and his glasses drop down. It's really cute. Uh, again, they have played a remix of the Adam Simley song. It's great, yes. Uh, Yellow was around, but they didn't, they didn't license that song. Um, but in the manual, it explains that Grandmama put a protective spell on the Adams family so they would not get abducted. So the only humans you meet in this game are the Adams family who are all hiding away in houses. Wow. Okay. Uh, so this game is mostly going to be a lot of complaints, or this episode rather. So if you like the game, I would turn this off immediately if you haven't already. But um, the flow of the game is really you're above ground, and about a third of the game is a sewer level. You transition from above ground to below ground to find these uh, houses that have first person dungeons, which contain one of five bosses. Oh, God. When I. When I was watching a, a full playthrough of it before this, mm-hmm. I was in shock. Like, wait, wait, is this like a Shin Megami Tensei game or something? What's with this first-person exploration? There, there's and, no combat. There's no yeah. enemies. There's no nothing. It's just navigation. Although, and, yeah, go ahead. And Sorry. it just looks so boring. Like, it reminded me of, like, Golgol 13 as a kid, except it was, like, a, at least that was more focused. And... And then you, and also just the way it draws in the stage, like, just like it, flashes, yeah. so much, like it, it, it give kids seizures. I guess maybe it was impressive in 1989. It's kind of hard to watch now, but it's just like one of the many weird ideas that are in this game. This feels like a very Japanese idea because we see th- things like Gogo 13, the Goonies, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde have all these first person segments that just don't yeah. seem to belong very well. I mean, the, those games in a lot of cases were made by. PC gaming nerds in Japan who loved the first person oh, exploration yeah. PC it's American like, RPGs. Every game should be like this, right? Yeah. <laughs> this is re- this is real exploration. So Uncle Fester though, I can't let it go. <laughs> he is the most enigmatic and iconic character, I think. I mean, he puts he puts a damn light bulb in his mouth and he's got a blunderbuss. It's perfect. <laughs> I mean, this guy came to him in a dream, so it has to have some <laughs> kind of value. Um, so We've been dancing around this, and Chris brought it up, and I shot him down immediately because I wanted to do the preamble, but uh, let's get this out of the way. You take two hits before you die, Uh, and when you die, you go back to the beginning of the game, not a checkpoint, not your last door you exited, the beginning of the game. uh, There's no fast travel. There's no checkpoints. You don't unlock shortcuts. Um, exactly what we went over because they did not they thought they had saves in the game but the game was produced without saves like oh that was just in our debug version shit we should have put the saves in so that's exactly why this game did not have saves and why it was advertised as being a hard game somebody at Sunsoft passive aggressively didn't tell them to put I think so how did there, someone on that team must have realized it needed it and didn't tell somebody or maybe it got lost in the mail I mean, we are thinking of an age, I'm thinking of inter-office communications from 8 million different channels, and this is back when they would write you a letter or maybe a phone call, a very expensive long-distance phone call. For this game, the reason why the development was so rushed, though, is because they had to literally fly to Japan. Yeah, Every wow. time they had like a meeting or new ideas, yeah. I guess that's just that's what slowed it down. But um, so uh, Uncle Fester has two life points in his life bar. You can upgrade it to up four, but these are basically impossible to find unless you know where they are. Like one is behind a hidden wall in a first-person dungeon that is not signaled at all. <laughs> Another is behind like a, a piece of tile you have to walk behind that's not signaled at all. It's just like this game is very very cruel. Um, the one merciful part of this game though is that um, this game is basically just about accumulating items to withstand the war of attrition it's committing against you. <laughs> you. Get to keep all of your items when you die and continue and uh you upgrade your gun and your whip through different levels that's and you get to keep those levels when you die that's the nicest they can get huh? yeah um but Could ultimately it be completed quickly 
What's that? Can it be completed quickly? Was that... No, this game has RPG-style grinding. Jesus. So here's the thing, Chris. Um, Fester has a gun. It goes through one of eight levels of power, Mm -hmm. and each level has a different effect. Most of these effects are sine waves, a sine wave pattern, which makes it impossible to hit enemies. And when you're in a sewer, you're in cramped corridors, so your gun just fires at the wall and cancels out. Unless you're standing on the exact right pixel you need to be standing on. So... The first part of the game is grind for 20 minutes, get the top level of the gun. Now you can play the rest of the game because good luck fighting any bosses. Good luck fighting the waves of enemies that are thrown at you. It is just like a monotonous, tedious slog. Yeah. And it does feel like it was made out of spite. Yeah, it was famous for a time is like the first thing people would say is like, oh, this is the worst game ever. And then, you know, the Sean babies of the world dug a lot deeper to find truly the worst games ever. But... Fester's Quest for, was a widely known, it was a lot of people in our generation's first pick of worst game I ever. think so, just because of how, how much it sold, the way it was covered in magazines and stuff like that. So mm. a lot of this game is simply, uh, there's maybe like six enemies in the game, maybe mm. five. It's just like you're walking down either straight streets or straight corridors, and the game just throws enemy after enemy after enemy at you. <laughs> And they take so many hits. In fact, the the instruction manual recommends you play with a turbo controller. Wow. But even when I was playing with an emulator with turbo settings on, I'm like, it seriously is taking this long to kill a green frog? Like, God help you if you run into a green frog. You're going to be standing there for 20 seconds firing like projectile after projectile into that thing. And the bosses are even worse. I'm getting really fired up. The bosses are these horrible abominations that, again, a war of attrition. Um, they're, they're essentially, their they're AI, put that in quotes, their mm-hmm. AI is designed to follow you as you walk around. So you are kind of stuck directly in front of them as they go through one pattern. They do one, every boss does one thing and fighting the bosses is just really putting up with doing, like doing the same pattern over and over and over <laughs> again. Like just like dodging the same whip, dodging the same projectiles. It is such a, a tedious war of attrition. I am angry at Fester's Quest, by the way. <laughs> I can't stand it. So I will say one good thing about this game is that um, there are some inspired things about it. Uh, a cool idea that is that they have a lot of items like in Zelda and Metal Gear. Um, you have a bulb that is essentially your torch in a dungeon. Another, another like RPG inspired thing that actually is like one of two things that ties into the show itself. Yes. Um, a key which opens houses in first person mazes. Um, a noose which summons Lurch to kill all the enemies on the screen. Um, uh, vice grips which cure status conditions which are the worst part of this game there's a certain enemy that if you shoot at them they will like have mosquitoes fly out if you get hit with a mosquito Fester moves at half speed until you heal that condition and he already moves incredibly slow as it is like you can you can barely dodge enemies (laughs) as is fine medicine exactly wow it is really RPG like in a strange way but in a cruel way a very cruel way you can't gain levels which is like that should be part of this what you're doing but it's all um, the negatives of rpgs i'd heard this was this 
This was how uh, Shigesato Itoi sold Earthbound, or Mother, to Miyamoto, because Miyamoto wasn't into RPGs, and, and Itoi said, well, what's good for people who aren't good at games, they like RPGs, because the more Ooh. you play, the easier it gets, because you level up, and that idea sold Miyamoto Call of Duty. So when you, ta- <laughs> so when you take true, out the leveling up thing to RPGs, like you, it doesn't even get easier from grinding. You know? Yeah, it just gets more tedious. You learn nothing except to hate the game itself. Um, so yeah, uh, more items. We have the missiles, which are the best items in the game because they essentially lock onto an enemy and all fire at them, which is a good way to kill some bosses. In the gameplay uh, full playthrough I watched, that's how the guy beat the final boss. He yeah. just stood in the corner and just shot all of them. He found the one safe for spot. five minutes. <laughs> it takes forever. Every boss takes forever, and some of them have shields, which makes them even harder to hit. It's crazy. So uh, more items. We have TNT, which are exactly like Link's bombs. We have potions that heal you. There's a very limited amount in the game. There's a finite amount in the game, I believe. Wow. And an invisibility potion was essentially just there to help you fight bosses. Like, you're going to suck at this. There's no way to avoid getting hit. Down one of these, and you're, you're like, invincible for 10 seconds, and you'll be fine for that 10 seconds. But you better pop another one as soon as it ends, because otherwise you're screwed. So, yeah, I mean, this game has a lot of bad ideas. One of them is, again, you need to build up your whip and gun to max levels to do anything in this game. The problem is enemies, the, the vast amount of enemies that come at you, some of them drop power downs. The red gun and whip icons are power downs. So when an enemy, when you fire a bunch of enemies and take out a group of enemies, they all drop power-ups and you see a power down. You have to wait for them all to disappear before you can move on. Otherwise, if you touch it, you'll power down and you'll have to go through that all again. So there's a lot of waiting Uh, in this game, too. It's crazy. That takes the poison mushroom thing from from Super Mario Lost Levels and makes it in the entire game. I I did just look up on a website I just discovered and want to plug it if Retronauts fans haven't heard of it. HowLongToBeat.com, a general consensus on how long certain games take to beat. And it says, (laughs) even if your MLG is fuck, this is going to take two hours to beat, no matter what. Two hours, especially if you put in, let's say, one hour and 45 minutes and you die. You just have to do it again. It's two yeah, hours. You had to do it again. Yeah. I can't imagine if you die on the last boss, getting kicked back to the beginning of the game, having the to go all the way, walk, the walk, walk all the way back yeah. to the last boss. That's that, I, I'm, I'm mad. There I've is never no leisure. It. it says even as a completionist, it would take you an extra 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so there are some professional things about this game. Like I think it lo- it looks okay. It doesn't look that bad. The music is again really okay. good. Um, the problem is there's not a lot of variety of environments. You're either above ground or in the sewers. And like a third of the game are in these awful maze sewers where, again, <sighs> if you have anything but the highest powered gun, you can't kill enemies in corridors. They'll just run into you and kill you. And this is where the game is at its cruelest. Like, again, sewer levels <laughs> always suck. And, and this is no different. In fact, this is like the epitome of sewer level hell. <laughs> I, You'd wish to go back to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles yes. sewers. Please let me know when you want to talk about Elf. Okay. Uh, well, we'll talk. <laughs> we'll talk about the Elf game sooner or later. But uh, I'm almost done here. I mean, there's only so much to complain about in this game because it's only an hour long game. But. Um, like, I feel, like I said before, Sunsoft of Japan, their heart wasn't in it. I feel like they were they didn't like being told what to do by Americans who were just like, this is popular, make it. I had a dream about it. Like, if a guy came to you and said, make my dream, it's like, your dream is weird, and I don't even know what you're talking about. Especially when you probably don't already uh, trust outside executives. Exactly, yeah. And I mean, these guys, they were Sunsoft of America's, like, dudes, and they, like, they helped write the Blaster Master story. I think one of them did, maybe Robin's, because it was called Metafight or something in Japan, and mm-hmm. there was no story about a frog jumping down a hole. And by the way, Blaster Master's frogs are yeah. in this game, which yeah. is a weird connection. Why bother yeah. making a new sprite? Just to- <laughs> Yeah. 
So uh, I just want to wrap up by saying, like, it doesn't really capture the show. I mean, the song is in it, Fester's in it, but he could be anyone. This game could be anything. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter that it's him. It's like these weird H.R. Giger, like, spooky designs. Mm-hmm. The, the designs of the enemies are, are cool. The bosses look really neat, yeah. like, straight out of Blaster Master, but there's only a few items that feel festery, like the vice grips and the light, light bulb and just, like, I guess his blunderbuss, which is a connection to the show, I believe. Like, yeah. he threatened to shoot people with his blunderbuss, which yeah. I don't remember. Yeah, he saw a picture of it. I was like, oh, I guess he did have that. I yeah. feel like I'd seen him holding it, but where did that thing get its name? Genevieve. The blunderbuss. The blunderbuss. Yeah. The blunderbuss is named Genevieve, and I, I oh, discovered no. that today. No, I just meant the blunderbuss in oh. general. Why would you? Why, why is this called the blunderbuss? Uh, is it a bad gun? Well, that's that's for my etymology podcast coming up next. <laughs> we'll discover it then. Just but uh, hey, look, I was right to ask. One of you probably has a stupid. Fact I mean, like I'd that. rather spend. I would rather spend the two hours trying to beat this game just watching Adam's family or Adam's family values again. Uh, like, I'm gonna go hot take. You ready for this? Go for it. There is only one good Adam's family game. Period. Pinball. Bob, you guessed correctly <laughs> on the first try. It's only the best pinball game ever, right? Yeah, it's, what it's, about it's electrocuting really good. yourself with the <laughs> Fester? Come on. I was disappointed when I found out it wasn't electrocution. I was yeah, like, is this going to vibrate? What the that's hell? bullshit. Yeah. Electrocute me. Come yes. on. I'm paying money to be zapped here, people. So, yeah, I mean, like, uh, I don't know. I want to know from our, our, our listeners. I feel like this is a, if you play this game, it's sort of a shared trauma we have. We talk about that with the Ninja Turtles game. I think this is far worse. Like, that game is far, far. way more manageable than this. And I just feel like I, I just have nothing but pain when I remember this game. I wanted it to be good. It's like Star Tropics where it's like this game has cool things in it, but it's just it's inapproachable for me. And I want to know at home if Star you're listening Tropics. out there. Love Star Trek. It's good, but it's also hard. Not as hard as this, though. But if you're listening at home, did you play this game? Did you beat it? If you beat this game legitimately, I want to know. I want to recruit you for my super soldier <laughs> army because I don't know how any human could have done this. Uh, it's just I, crazy. I mean, this must this must have sold a lot of game genies. I have to oh, think. oh, dear. Yes. And again, um, if you watch a Let's Play, all the Let's Players are quick saving and doing like uh, turbo controllers, too, because they're like, I don't got time for this shit either. Yeah, no I'm a way. Let's Player. Yeah. I mean, well, I would love to see a non-tool-assisted Fester's Quest playthrough. I would love to see like that at Awesome Games Done Quick or Summer Games Done Quick. Yeah. I want to meet that man and find out what's going, what's gone wrong with him in his life because <laughs> something happened to devote yourself to Fester. In closing, thanks for listening, folks. I think I've said more than anyone has ever said about Fester's Quest in one lifetime. Uh, I wanted to dig as deep as I could. Uh, thanks to, to Kid Femris again for that great interview. A lot of insight into this game and really why it went wrong. Like the producer said, we didn't know what we were doing. And clearly Japan didn't give a crap about their idea. They wanted to go make Batman or something, yeah. which would be the next year. I think Batman the game was 90, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was one year after the film, which was 89. So yeah. Like the gulf of difference between Batman and Fester's Quest is like... Even unimaginable, too, which is yeah. a licensed game that's top down and kind of yeah. similar. And it's but beautiful. It's, it's beautiful. amazing. Yeah. Well, if I make it to plugs early, I did want to say if you like the soundtrack of this, our friend uh, Brett Elston on his podcast no, we v- VG Empire. Did he no, we fin- didn't do that, but okay. we he did a tribute to the Batman Sunsoft ah, game, so he talks ooh. a ton about that composer on it. So yeah, same composer as this. So yeah, thanks to that guy for doing the one good thing about this game, mm-hmm. and uh, better luck next time to the producers who went on to have a great career, and I think they kickstarted uh, Mutant League Football they, or something. They, or they I tried think they to kickstarted Mutant Football League. Oh, different. Legally that is beautiful. Yeah, different beautiful. idea. Do not sue. Oh. <laughs> Please. Uh, so yes thank you so much this has been Retronauts I've been your host Bob Mack you can find me on Twitter 
Where's the sound effect, Chris? You don't have it at the ready? Where's my computer? I don't oh, know. Dave takes it home now. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> so, yes, you can find me on Twitter as Bob Servo, and you'll find this blog post at Retronauts.com where I'll have some interesting links for you to read and click on, including that interview. And you won't find this at US Gamer because I don't work there anymore. <laughs> I will be working at fandom.com. Is that correct? Is that the name of the site? <laughs> I forget. Okay, Henry's shaking his head. So, yes, that's my new workplace. I'll be there from November 1st on, so visit me there. Read my content there. I'll be doing fun stuff. It'll be a lot of fun, but from then on, you will find my blog posts about my episodes on Retronauts.com, so please go there. Uh, Henry, where can we find you? Oh, wait, I just said it. The same place as you, fandom.com, powered by Wikia. Uh, But also, you can find me on Twitter at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G on Twitter and um, <laughs> sorry I, I gotta hit the same things every time but it's also, iambic pentameter also you can uh, find all my hot takes on Twitter of course but also I'm on the Talking Simpsons podcast every week with one Mr. Bob Mackey and Chris Antista oh, this was the Talking Simpsons crew here wow wow <laughs> uh, but also I, I just did an episode of Laser Time as well and I'm on all those Indeed things you did. which are brought to you by Patreon com slash laser time right Chris yeah, yes yes we are almost 100% uh, listener supported we just did a show about uh, we did a, a thing about horror by the numbers we tried to figure out what is the most successful horror franchise who's had the most movies and who has the highest body count the answer is usually Jason yeah. uh, except for you want it more you will not believe how high the I don't want to ruin it the exorcist suggested for inflation is not only uh-huh. makes it the highest grossing horror movie ever it makes it the highest grossing franchise ever. Wow. I didn't know that. Be- purely based on the strength of the it's first incredible. film. The whole world saw that film. That's a spooky fact it, from the devil. It, it's, I love, I don't know, I, I was very proud of it. But we also did uh, another one on horror comedies. Like, uh, it, I did realize, oh, those are the horror movies I actually like. Uh, mm. If this is an authentic home invasion movie, I don't care as much as if you're a priest, uh, Roundhouse kicking a zombie and dead alive, or gremlins, or Ghostbusters. Evil Dead 2 is my favorite horror comedy. Uh, it, by I, far. I'm in the middle of Ash versus Evil Dead, and it mm, is pure I joy. Need to watch that. It is pure joy, Bobby. And yeah. I forgot to mention, we have a Patreon too, which is why you're listening to this episode. These episodes are a Patreon goal that we hit, the off week episodes, so I hope you're enjoying this. If you want to give to our Patreon, go to patreon.com slash retronauts. That pays for our entire show. We cannot do it without your Patreon money, and just $1 a month could do a lot for us. So please, if you can, give us a buck a month. We'll really appreciate it. Wait. It would really appreciate it. Cousin It would really appreciate it. There we go. So, yes, we'll see you next time with a brand new full length episode of Retronauts. Later, folks. Mamushka. Mamushka.